I'm Les Miles, and this is Less is More. Another great week in college football, and it's Smacker Miles back in on set. Uh, John will 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 have the uh, melodious sound of Smacker Miles now and then again in the midst of this podcast. So, uh, uh, Smack, glad to have you back. I know you were you were you know chasing around your brother and going to watch him play and do other things. So, where have you been? I caught Manny's game on a Thursday night, and then I did a high school game reporting on Friday night, and then I went to Ben's game, and then I went to the Dallas Cowboys game. I actually caught four games in one weekend. It was a really fun one. That was last weekend. And then this weekend, I actually did go. I went to the game day set at Texas OU and got to shadow Maria Taylor, so that was really fun. Yeah, that would that would be a uh, – she is a uh... – broadcast professional that is just really fun to be around. Big smile, knows what's going on, very competitive, and can handle being uh, dressed down by uh, the uh, the head coach of the uh, Crimson Tide. <laughs> so uh, I thought that she handled that extremely well. And, I, and to be honest with you, I think that uh, Nick handled it well thereafter. I agree. So um, let's see what we got here. The, uh, hey, Smack, hey, Les. Yeah. I got to say, I'm, gl- I'm glad Smacker's back because a lot of guys told me that they have uh, tuned out when it was just me and you here talking, talking uh, around in circles. Yeah. They, 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 they have felt for the last year and a half that Smackers has really carried this show and been the voice of reason. There is, there, there Thank is you, a, John. There isn't any question. We're going to have to call it the uh, uh, Less is Smacker More or something. We're going we're gonna to have to change the name of the dang podcast. So, uh, so. A Smack is More. Smack is More. That's right. <laughs> Um, Let's see what we got here. ESPN ran a story about Mike Leach. He dropped a fake script in front of some Texas coaches back in 1999 and basically let them, you know, think that this was the start of the game plan and spend the, the rest of the evening, you know, including early in the morning, trying to decipher what hieroglyphics uh, were actually Mike Leach's game plan. I, I got to be honest with you. I think I was involved with one, one of those. We'd gotten a call um, on a phone in our office, and, uh, he, and it, was a, uh, it was a guy, and he said, hey, listen, I watched this practice, and let me just tell you, this is what this is, what's going to happen. And they basically took a couple of things that appeared to me to be what was actually a part of the game plan. But then they took a bunch of stuff that was, there was no chance that it was going to be in the game plan, or at least it didn't sound like it. But, it, you know, this guy was, it sounded credible. We, he didn't leave his name. I can't leave him the name because if I do, though, my, my uh, teammates will know who I am. My co- the coaches will know who I am. And so I just want you to know, you you take this information and do with it what you will, but uh, I just I want you to know I watched the practice and this is and I want you to know I listened to that and told our coaches that don't spend your time on it. 
First of all, it can't be that stinking important if somebody who would possibly give it to the opponent would be able to sit and watch it. I said, so I, I, I basically discounted it. And uh, um, our, uh, the coaches that, uh, that had it ring in their phone looked at me like, are you kidding me? You had best go through this. I mean, and, and, and so here's what I did say. I said, okay, what, what in, in this information is really new and different? One thing. One thing was really completely new and different. I said, okay, so let's spend a half an hour as coaches. I don't want you to take it to the kids. As coaches preparing for if, in fact, that happens. Okay, let's, let's, let's prepare for an if that happens. But that's it. Well, that didn't happen. And so we were fortunate that we didn't spend any, much, any more time than about a half an hour. And, but it, it basically taught me a lesson because I was a young coach at the time at Oklahoma State when it happened. And I said, you know, you know I, I, it didn't do me any good to spend time on it. And I was glad that that was the lesson because I would have, I'd have been miserable if I'd have stayed up all night preparing a game plan for this if come stuff and it didn't show up. Oh, I would have been miserable. So what do you, what do you think about that? Uh, uh, smacker miles. I think that's great. I love stories like that. Anything where people are doing the most is funny. And as long as it's in, as long as it's not hurting one, anyone in the sport, then it's in good fun. And it's a competitive nature thing that should be done. Yeah. I want you to know, there has been a time where coaches would take a run and and grab a script that was laying in a trash can or I mean you I've I have heard I have heard about you know some of those you know scripts that came out of a trash can and said oh this is great we we got them and uh, and it was good and it was good information Looking back at this weekend, there were lots of big games to talk about. We can start with the LSU at Florida game. That was an exciting one for LSU fans. Not the way you want it to turn out, but still a fun game to watch. Oh, that was miserable. The, uh, um, you, you had the opportunity to win, um, but if you turn the ball over and you pick six it in any way and – but especially on the last drive going, you know, trying to, you know, take the lead, that becomes, you know, just awfully painful. And their offensive line did not uh, um, protect um, Joe. Uh, five or four sacks, five sacks, and 11 tackles for, for loss. I mean, uh, you know, you, you can't you, – you can't run – and sustain an offensive drive with those negative plays in the midst. And uh, congratulations to Florida for playing great defense. And um, Dan Mullen in his uh, first game against the Tigers, that's a, uh, the idea that they could beat the Tigers in that place. Uh, it wouldn't make any difference. So uh, it's uh, did a great job. A- but as a storyline, the LSU offensive line has been talked about as not being good enough. 
since the team reported. And they've been talked about that way by their coach. And a lot of them weren't harsh or malicious statements. They were just, I know recently it was we're thin or we don't have enough or we got to get this person healthy because this person isn't good enough or second string. And but they at were what undefeated. Point are you, but okay, my point is at what point are you eventually going to talk it into reality? And to think that the line performance and Joe Burrow's interceptions are two separate things is not right. They're, they go hand in hand. So the idea that Joe Burrow hadn't thrown an interception five games into the year, that's great. But there's some reality that quarterbacks are going to eventually throw an interception, and you have to be able to win a game where your quarterback throws an interception. So how much of this is really on Joe, Joe Burrow? He's been great. You can't negative talk him just because of one game. Well, the uh, if you're constantly being pursued, if the if the off what you said when you said that the two things, the offensive line and interceptions, they're connected. Yeah. And and you're exactly right. So I and, and Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow to me is 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 proven that he has a a comfort and a a, a calm in the in the huddle in the stadium and uh, you know making a play, so I uh, they had a couple and they had a number of uh, catches that that could have been made except the drops uh, took uh, took place and that uh, you can't sustain an offensive drive on a third down pass when you turn and you throw it to a guy it hits him in the hands and he puts it on the ground it just you just can't so go back. Work that third down uh, period again. Make sure that we're talking about guys that understand that we're going to go to them in key situations, and we are counting on you as a team, not because you need a catch. We're counting on you as a team to fulfill your obligation on a third down plan. This is our third down plan, and you are a part of it. Make the catch. And, uh, you know. I didn't drop it. Yeah, I know you did. Let's get to Texas OU. You want to talk about Oklahoma and Texas. Oh, the Texas graduate in you comes out. It'll make me vomit. I don't know what there is to vomit about. Are you an OU fan? I'm confused right now. I am a a, uh, tough football uh, effort and energy fan. And in, in the last two years, I would say that about Oklahoma. I would not say that about Texas. I mean, 93 points is tough to watch as a knowledgeable football reporter. But as a fan, it was a shootout, and my team came out on top, and I have no issues with it. (laughs) That's miserable, John. That is miserable. So, Make a few of our favorite coaches roll over in their uh, grave, that kind of lack of defense. I was at Texas OU. I think it was an unbelievable venue. It's been on my bucket list of life, obviously my college football bucket list, to get to Red River Rivalry. And it was something I wanted to do all through college, but we had Saturday morning practices, and so my schedule never allowed for it to happen. 11 o'clock game, right? exactly. So we would practice 7 to 11. So it was awesome to see. I think the atmosphere outside the stadium was more noteworthy, in my opinion, just because... In the stadium, it's not actually a huge venue, and there's more people outside the stadium as the, than there are in the stadium. So it was really cool to be a part of. Not 
necessarily in the stadium though. The college, it's more of an event than it is just a game. And it was awesome to see. And then obviously game day being there just was the cherry on top. So it was a great experience, a shootout of a game. I know dad did not appreciate the defense in that game. So if you would like to hate on Texas's defense, now's your time. Well, no, no, (laughs) no. You understand something. The, uh, uh, I did watch my favorite player in college football. I mean, Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I want you to know what he did to come from behind in that game, throw and run, was spectacular. I mean, he he he. It was a sixty-seven yard touchdown run. Whoa! I mean, he looked so smooth. There was not a. There was never a chance that somebody was going to catch him. He just picked his way through that defense and and. You know, very, very ex- extremely uh, capable athlete. Oof. Sam but. Ellinger was able to even the quarterback playing field by having his best game so far, and that really leveled the playing field where you would have thought that, oh, you had him at the quarterback position, and they didn't yesterday. Well, I want you to know Sam Ellinger it really had a, had a big game and carried the ball. It, he had three rushing touchdowns. And third downs, he was he was extremely good. So uh, I, uh, you know, again that that Oklahoma defense, that Oklahoma defense, you'd like to, you know, get them stoked up because they could have made a difference. Um, but you know, Sam is really this running for him is just really coming into vogue. In this game, he ran the football down in the goal line for big yards and. For, to be a to carry the ball for sixty yards as a as a quarterback certainly in that offense pretty special. Okay, but now the question is, does Texas now belong in the college football playoff talks, or did OU never belong in the college football playoff talks? <laughs> Texas comes in with one loss against Maryland. Now they beat OU. OU escaped several not exciting opponents they allowed Army to put up 600 yards on their defense. So does o, did OU never belong, or does Texas now belong? <laughs> or do either one of them belong? How can you that's, lose? That's where I would Yeah, it's exactly that's right. How can you lose to Maryland and say, wait a minute, that doesn't count. We, we, we went back and we, we beat our rivalry uh, t- game, Oklahoma. Hey, I want you to know something. Um, Oklahoma beat Army, okay? I mean, they lost to Texas. Texas lost to Maryland the second year in a row. I mean, I don't know that, that we're ready to say that, that Texas is back in the talk unless you're a Texas graduate. I no, think. I, no, I honestly agree. I don't think either of them are belong in the talk in any way. Um, now, Oklahoma, they've only lost to Texas, and it's one loss. And if they continue the, the 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 run, okay. But do they with a defense that allows 600 yards? That scares me. But understand that Texas team's pretty talented team. It will be interesting though because I just said that I don't think that either of them belong in the college football playoff talks. But the Big 12 is just strong enough that if they either of them won out, they'd be in good shape. And it's also just weak enough that they could both win out. So it will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, especially with with if Notre Dame proceeds as they they have been going, right? Um, they'll get they'll they'll be in if no one knocks them off. And then you got the SEC and you have the 
uh, Big Ten and you have the ACC, right? Yeah. And then how does ACC will be lucky to get one in? Well, okay. Clemson. And then Clemson's the only the only one that could get in. That that that's correct. But then, what about the SEC? Right. The SEC. The SEC now. I mean, you have one loss. Um, LSU Tigers, which deserves conversation because of talent. Um, you have the great the, the the great Alabama team, and you have Georgia, and now sticks rears his ugly head, the the Gators. So now you have enough. If there's if the Gators are a one loss team, if it lost to a, a very uh, good Kentucky defense. Um, to be to be very honest with you, I think it's going to be a. I think you you'll have you'll be talking about two teams coming from the SEC yet again. Okay, we're getting way ahead of ourselves though. Let's get to Kentucky yeah, easy, at A and M. Kentucky was at A and M. That game goes to overtime, and Texas A and M pulls it out. Still an impressive start for Kentucky, in my opinion. Mark Stoops is doing a great job. I think. If the tragedy is, is they they need a more productive quarterback. If they if they're going to run him, run him well. Okay. If they're going to throw it, you know, throw it well. I think it's a, I think that's, I think that that team is being held back by their offense. I think their defense is great, not good, but great. And uh, it went into overtime, and and uh, the uh, uh, Kentucky team misses a field goal. And in the, in the next two snaps, the uh, A&M team at home scores it to take the six-point lead and the win. It was a good game, certainly. I, I'm rooting for the A&M Aggies for one reason. There's a uh, Miles son there, but uh, it was a heck of a game. And I was, I was really proud of what Kentucky is and how Kentucky played against a very capable A&M team. Michigan played Maryland uh, this week. And uh, there was a guy that uh, that wore a number five, very much like his dad wore. Um, I uh, made a great uh, catch in the end zone and a uh, a uh, touchdown grab for the uh, for the Wolverines. Had you had to be proud? Yeah, I, I tell you, that's and then you know as you're experiencing with both Manny and Ben and you know with Smackers when she was swimming in Texas. Uh, it's a lot harder being the parent of a uh, a collegiate athlete than it is being a collegiate athlete. And, um, you know, uh, my son, especially Jared and Jack, who just graduated last year, a lot of ups and downs and twists and turns in that process over four or five years. And to see, you know, Jared get uh, an opportunity to uh, get in the end zone and make a great catch and to get a lot of quality playing time, these last few weeks uh, it's really been uh, it's been so special. Um, he's a fifth-year senior. Uh, he's battled some injuries at inter-opportune times over those five years, and um, you know he had opportunities to to do the fifth five-year plan and go other places, but he wanted to stay the course. And he loves Michigan, and uh, he's uh, he had an early early season injury. In coming out of training camp, and he's made a remarkable recovery uh, after a, a, a cartilage operation, and he's just kept battling. He's kept his head down, and, and he's kept battling, and 
to get a, a taste of success. And, and what really warmed my heart, obviously, to see him get in the end zone was, was tremendous. But the response of his teammates as he came back on the sideline, uh, they were all so ecstatic, jumping up and down uh, on him and, and, and just mauling him. And you could see there was a genuine respect and love and appreciation, I think, for what he's gone through over five years. And then his brother, Jack, who just finished playing last year, came out of the stands and was jumping at him. And uh, <laughs> it was, it, you can imagine oh, you know, the, yeah. the emotion. And he was more happy for Jared than Jared probably. And so they were celebrating. And uh, Jared thought we were going to kick an extra point, and we ended up going for two. And he's in on the two-point conversion. So Coach Harbaugh was screaming at him to get his, his tail on the field and quit jumping up and down. So he sprang onto the field and – made a key block for Ben Mason, the other fullback, to go in for a two-point conversion. So it was really it was really a great a great afternoon. And, you know, Michigan played well and, and beat a quality Maryland team and uh, put themselves in position to uh, uh, get ready for the stretch run and play Wisconsin this week. The, uh, the feel of a father – for his son as he goes on to the field, especially the same stadium that you played on, especially the end zone that you threw to Anthony Carter to beat Indiana in a, in a maybe one of the greatest receptions in the in the history of Michigan football. Um, that that attachment, I mean, I, I promise you this: that hug and that kiss after that uh, that uh, Saturday afternoon in, in uh, Michigan Stadium was pretty special. Congratulations, John. That's, that's great. I, uh, well, well, I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I, and I'm thankful. And it was really nice was, uh, coach Harbaugh texted me and Jared together and saying how happy he was and, and, uh, uh, just what it meant, you know, to, 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 you know, have him get in there. And, uh, it was interesting because, uh, Jared's first couple years, he was number 19 when he got there. And then the last two years, he was number 38, right? So uh, Coach Harbaugh, you know, the, as you know, the single-digit numbers in collegiate football are desirable for a lot of kids, right? Right. So, so Jer- his rule is whoever plays the most uh, and wants that number, they have, to, you know, they have to earn it. So after spring ball, uh, Jared had requested number five, and um, – I was just coming out of my, my knee replacement surgery, and Jared came in and said, Dad, yeah, I, uh, I got number five for my, my senior year and uh, for my fifth year, and he was so proud to be able to do that. And, you know, all the little things, right, it, it was just it made it that much more special that, you know, he was able to, uh, to get that number and, and be a part of it and, and take it to great heights that uh, have never been seen before, and that's what we're all hoping for. And, uh, I, I, you know, you can imagine the emotion. And oh, it's, it's, yeah. It's been, a, it's been a great thing. Well, the good news is well, that's that's a story that'll run for a couple more weeks here, babe. You know, that'll be that'll be a lot well, of fun. Well, now that he knows where the end zone is, I said, now, uh, <laughs> let's make this a, a frequent occurrence. Yeah. What the heck? You haven't done anything yet. Get your butt yeah. moving. Yeah. Uh, we got Wisconsin this week. Auburn was at Mississippi State. They don't get in the end zone the entire game. Three field goals is all they get. Was that surprising to either of you? Yeah. I can't imagine it, to be honest with you. 
they didn't rush the ball well, and they didn't throw the ball well. They had no offense. That is not a typical Auburn setup. That that being said, I don't know how you win. You know, I think they had just a miserable day, and uh, I don't. You know, there's there's two losses for them at this point. And Nick Nick Fitzgerald had a day against the Auburn defense with all those rushing yards. He rushed for 195 yards and several uh, scores. What a nice day he has. It'll be interesting to see how Mississippi State fares through the rest of the... I know there's an LSU-Mississippi State game coming up, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Well, I know there's a a couple of voicemails over there for me, so uh, what do you got? Hey, Les, big fan of the show. So glad you guys brought it back for Season 2. My question for you is... Who was your favorite football player growing up as a kid? And is there anyone today that you especially love to watch? Also, would love to hear Smackers and John's answers. Thanks, guys. Continue the great show. Thanks. We appreciate the call. Um, my favorite uh, my favorite football player growing up as a uh, young man, a boy in, in Ohio, was Jim Brown, number 32. He was physical and strong, just tremendously capable, and that was my childhood idol that uh, I always wanted to carry the ball like Jim Brown. I always wanted to be big and strong and capable like Jim Brown. I, uh, I was good, had good fortune to meet Jim Brown at the, uh, the uh, Super Bowl where they played it in, uh, in New Orleans. And uh, Jim Brown was uh, uh, somebody that I had access to and uh, really enjoyed uh, seeing a great, great uh, ex-player. But, uh, but my favorite football player today and now, um, it, it have to be guys that I coached. And, you know, there, there are just so many of them that you, you enjoy their effort and energy and how they work and who they are as people. It's, uh, it's difficult to pick the guy. And, uh, but, uh, boy, how fortunate I've been to, to have the Tyron Matthew and Jacob Hesters and just the number of guys that, uh, Matt Flynn, early Doucette. I mean, it just goes, it goes on and on and on. So I, uh, I'm going to have to avoid that one. It's, there's so many quality young men that I've coached. I'm, uh, I'm just grateful. John? My favorite player growing up was Joe Namath. Uh, I love Broadway Joe. My cousin played against him in uh, high school. My uncles all knew Joe of Beaver Falls. And um, I just loved his style and his arm and his release and just his whole uh, swagger. And I had the great fortune of of meeting him uh, probably 15 years ago in Las Vegas when he was doing a uh, an event for NFL properties, and I got to spend about an hour and a half with him. And he loved uh, hearing about Bo Beckler, our coach, Les, because Bear Bryant and Bo were good buddies, and he would tell me Bear stories, and I would tell him Bo stories, and I had the greatest time. And then Joe invited me to go out with him that night in Las Vegas, but I had a dinner with customers, and to this day, one of the big regrets of my life that is I didn't go out to Vegas with Joe Namath. Uh, hey, John, I think I would have told those customers, buy or not, we're going. We're, I'm, yeah. I'm out of here. 
So I was a young, naive sales guy, and, I, and I, it was two of my biggest customers, and I didn't know that I could uh, could, could stiff them there in Vegas. But uh, I I truly enjoyed uh, Joe Namath, and I thought he was just a wonderful guy that you could you could sit down and talk and just have a, a great time with. Uh, so that was that was really my idol growing up, and I got to meet him and. Uh, as far as uh, my favorite players today, or you know, I, I'm like you. I didn't coach a lot of guys, but uh, in, the, in the pros, but uh, the guys I played with, uh, we had such great teammates, and it's hard to single out one. But probably the only reason that I'm on this podcast with you and Smackers is because of Anthony Carter. So Anthony really, uh, when he came to Michigan, I think kind of revolutionized. Uh, you know, our offense and, and, and gave Bo the confidence to, to throw the ball. And back in the 70s, you know, if anyone who's familiar with Michigan football, we were uh, definitely an option ground attack. And uh, we all, or not all of us, but Bo uh, believed in Woody Hayes' three yards in a cloud of dust. And three things can happen when you throw the football, and two of them are bad. But uh, Anthony, when he showed up on campus, uh, really changed that mindset. And uh, I was a beneficiary of being able to, to play quarterback for a couple of years with him. And uh, he was a wonderful teammate, great player, uh, probably a better person and a better teammate. And we all had fun and enjoyed it. And it was, uh, it was a great opportunity. And he was, uh, he was a favorite of all of us, trust me. Okay, well, my favorite old-time player, I was a child, so if you really want to know, it was definitely Brady Quinn, and my only chance to talk to him was after LSU beat his Notre Dame team. And then my next encounter with Brady Quinn was when Dad proceeded to tell him that I had his quote painted on my wall. So Brady Quinn is my favorite old-timey player who's now on TV and didn't really have a stellar NFL career. My favorite current player... I don't, I'm like that. I don't really have one. I really just love any time that I know a player personally and know them well enough to know that they're really a great human off the field. And then seeing them have a big play on the field, I just, like, in that moment, I'm like, oh, they're my favorite. And that's kind of how I watch every game. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question for Smack. Yeah. Did you like the way Brady Quinn played, or did you think he was cute? <laughs> Good question. John gets question of the day. <laughs> I think That's I definitely like. Well, okay, you have to understand, like, that was when in the birth of my football knowledge. So I think Brady Quinn, I could credit him with drawing my attention to the game of football and teaching more me more about the quarterback position. Yeah, it, it seems like to me, John, that she was bringing home guys that had quarterback behind their name. You know what I mean? That guys that you know, were local uh, quarterbacks that, uh, you know, I, this is a, a boyfriend or this is a date or this is, but he, hey, what do you, so what position do you play? Oh, I'm a quarterback. I None mean, of dad's players. Yeah. That's Let's exactly about right. This quarter, hey, just ask Joe Namath, baby. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to this weekend. I honestly think that the LSU Georgia storyline got even better just because it's now is LSU here to stay or were people right in the beginning of the year that they weren't going to have a special team and an outstanding year? Dad, who are you picking? I'm picking LSU, and I'm picking LSU because they're at home. I'm picking LSU because they finished second in a game on the road against the Gators, and they should be mad 
and fired up. Do you think they overlooked Florida? Under any no circumstance do you overlook Florida. Florida is a, a, a talented, talented football team. You, you cannot overlook that team. But I can tell you this, they, uh, that loss, they, the response to that loss is going to have to be a, um, prepared and ready to play against Georgia. Georgia does not have a great offense. Their offense is is I, I see okay running backs, the quarterback that's that's capable at times and but spotty. I uh, I'm not disagreeing with you, but how much of an effect is it going to have that Auburn didn't send pass rushers, they didn't put any pressure on Joe Burrow, and they didn't blitz. Now you have Florida who gets five sacks on Joe Burrow. How much does that affect the game plan? I mean. Florida handed Georgia their game plan for LSU. No, I, I think you're exactly right. Florida handed Georgia the game plan yeah. for LSU. What I'm saying is, is that okay? Let's get us a, a nice little, you know, screen in this thing, a nice little draw in this thing. Okay, let's make sure that we're protecting our quarterback. Let's not standing back there seven steps. Let's sit, let's let's get uh, let's get it, let's get the ball off in four. Or five, you know, beats, and now we're good. Okay, now we're now we're you know, and Joe can make those. And then, but again, you're going to have to spend time on that third down on those calls because that's not going to just show up in the uh, in the Score stadium. Prediction. Yeah, you you best you best groom those calls because the guys that drop balls, they when they can anticipate the catch, they don't drop them. Score prediction. Um, higher low, s- low scoring game, low high score, low scoring game. I think the defense is going to be good uh, for Georgia certainly, and uh, I uh, I think the defense will be good for for the uh, LSU Tigers. So, John, seventeen. I'm gonna just say seventeen thirteen. John, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna go Georgia. I'm gonna go Georgia. Uh, well, you know they uh, they're averaging you know forty three points a game now. They haven't played the competition that LSU has played, and LSU is playing at home. I understand all that. I just think that Georgia's going to come back, and uh, it's going to be a low scoring game. But I think I'm going to go with Georgia in this one. Washington goes to Oregon. The Oregon team has played really surprisingly well. Right, and uh, they're, uh, they're they've put themselves in position to um, you know play this play this game and play it extremely well. So I uh, I, I think I want to pause and listen to you guys pick until I come back. And I, hey, John, I want to hear what you have Watch. to say. I want to see what you. I'm have going to Washington. Say. I'm I'm picking two road. Road this week. I think that their defense, and, and I like Jake Browning a lot, uh, they were my uh, pick for the uh, Pac 12 championship uh, at the start of the year. And uh, I just think, uh, even though they've struggled a little bit uh, getting the ball in the end zone when they've gotten the red zone, uh, I, uh, I think they're going to go up to Oregon, and I'm not, I'm not buying them. Uh, 100% yet. So um, 
I believe the Huskies are going to are going to win in, in a close in a close game. Hmm. Interesting piece. The uh, with a bye week uh, for Oregon, they uh, they may uh, come back a little bit healthier. Um, I think Washington's number one nationally ranked scoring defense, uh, especially at 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 a visiting venue. Boy, you got a defense that can quiet the crowd. That's that's special. So uh, I uh, I'm 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 buying I'm buying uh, Washington. This 84 ranked national passing for Oregon. They, if they can't throw the football against who they've been playing, uh, I'm I'm with you. I take Jake Browning and uh, completing 66 percent of his passes. Yeah, I'm Washington all the way. Michigan State goes to Penn State. John, I know you want to comment. Go ahead. Let let us have it. I'm not hesitating. The Nittany Lions. They are going to. Uh, they are going to have a huge win against Michigan State. Uh, I would be shocked uh, if it's a close game in Happy Valley. Uh, I'm buying Penn State. Uh, McSorley, uh, they got a lot of offense. Uh, when you go into that atmosphere, I don't know if it's a whiteout or not, if it's a night game, but regardless, uh, Michigan State has struggled all year. Um Brian Lewerke has not been the same quarterback uh, that he's been uh, last season. Um, you know, they're struggling rushing the ball. Uh, they haven't played great defense. Uh, they're, they're, you know, L.J. Scott's been hurt, and um, they have not shown the capabilities offensively. And I don't know if Lewerke's trying to do too much because L.J. Scott's been out, but they have not been the team that everyone thought uh, coming into the season. They're coming off a loss to Northwestern, and Northwestern is a good football team. It is a their record may not reflect, uh, you know, it as much as, as you know. I saw them play there, and, and they're a good football team. But uh, Penn State's gonna gonna have their way with them. Yeah, I uh, the uh, Michigan State's number one ranked rushing defense, and but they are the number a hundred and four rushing offense. So they're not running the football. And when Michigan State can't run the football, we know they can't throw the football. So <laughs> it's uh, – and uh, Trace McSorley's back and have just had a huge game, over over 400 yards of, of offense himself. I'm with you. I'm Penn State at home. Wisconsin so. goes to Michigan. Dad was invited to be an honorary captain there. Um, that was a uh, very kind – Offering uh, and something that I will consider. See if I can get there sometime this week. I'm going to have to play Michigan at home. Um, Shea Patterson looks looks like uh, he is settling down and and comfortable at uh, at the quarterback spot. Uh, this kid named Wangler is a fullback. Caught a touchdown pass. I think it, he, that makes a hell of a difference in the in, as we look forward here. And uh, but I'm I'm. I'm all blue. I'm, I'm, we and we need to we need to start beating up on Wisconsin and showing them that they're just Wisconsin. You, you got it. They're not. They're not uh, anything uh, that uh, that Michigan should should worry about. 
just uh, come on into this stadium and, and, and play like Michigan. And I'm, I'm for the, I'm for the uh, Wolverines. Well, I, uh, I am too. And uh, we've gotten better each week since that loss to Notre Dame. Shea Patterson is, is improving each week, and he's definitely a difference maker and the leader of that offense, making plays with both his arm and his feet. Our offensive line has blocked a better each week. It is getting better, progressively better. Uh, Karan Higdon is doing a great job there as the running back. Uh, we hope to get Chris Evans back. Uh, ben Mason, uh, outside of my offspring, Jared, is my favorite player on that team. Uh, he is a wonderful fullback, a versatile fullback. Uh, he's done a great job. Donovan Peoples-Jones is coming into his own. We have some real weapons there. Our defense is uh, is a championship-caliber defense, and they uh, are, are relentless in putting pressure uh, on that quarterback. Uh, it will be a slugfest. Uh, I take nothing away from uh, with Wisconsin and what they can do with their offensive line and run the football with Jonathan Taylor. But if we can shut down the run, uh, I'd like their quarterback to beat us throwing the football. I like our chances. And uh, uh, Hornybrook uh, is a nice quarterback, but I don't think he will beat us if he has to throw the football. So I'm looking for a huge win at home. Uh, as Les said, it's time for us to take back what uh, we believe uh, is Michigan's right, and we're going to uh, make a great statement at 730 uh, Saturday night for uh, the nation to see. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game, but I think we're going we're gonna to beat them and we're going to keep marching towards that, uh, that championship. Smacker Miles, you're back. You're back for weeks. We're not letting you go anyplace else. John Wangler, how wonderful it was that Jared got a great catch. Uh, what a wonderful week in, in, uh, in football. What a joy it is to be with two of my favorite people in the world. Enjoy your week. It's all about less is more. It's all about football. It's all about fun and family. God bless. Have a great day. The Players Tribune.com.